This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. The Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Well, the wait is over. Time to get back to business. It's Liverpool against Man City. The community clash at the King Power brace to coronate the kings of last season's English excellence. Ahead of the traditional curtain raiser to get into the relevance of the fixture, as well as telltale signs we may take from the game as well, as well as bringing you the return of our team selector and match predictions. We have our Liverpool correspondent, tall and always cool, Paul Gorst. And having seen a number of youngsters pit their wits through the course of pre-season, hoping for a run out on the opening day, Tom Cavilla gets the nod for our first meaningful panel of the new season. Chaps, I trust you both well. And uh, well, Gorsty, I entertained myself with those intros, but I'm glad I, I got through all that alliteration without tripping up. <laughs> you did really well at the uh, collection of C's and K's in, in that one. With, um, that is why you are the uh, utmost professional at all times. Yeah, not, not, not entirely sure about that. But in, in terms of the game itself, we've had what's felt like a, a very long summer. I don't know if it's because I've not been away or, or anything <laughs> like that, but we are finally getting back into... I suppose the real action, but for, for many people, I suppose it's a bit contentious, the community shield, whether it is a competitive fixture or whether it's a glorified friendly. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose some people might feel as though the Champions League finals only just ended and they're kind of still getting over that Harvard night in Paris. But obviously with us covering it day in, day out, it does feel as though pre-season has been a long one. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know where I stand on the Community Shield in terms of its significance. It's one of those where you're happy to win it, and if you don't win it, you're not you're not too bothered at all. But I think it'd be nice for Liverpool to win it because it's the only thing that they haven't won actually under Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, in 20, 2019, was it? Um, City beat them, and then the, the following year, um, Arsenal somehow managed to, to win on penalties, didn't he? I, I seem to remember Liverpool having under the door down for that second half and just couldn't quite... Um, get the winning goal and Arsenal snuck it on penalties. So it's something something to add to the, the honours list, I guess. Uh, you'd rather win it than not because you, you're there and you're playing for it. But um, I don't think it'll give any great insight into what will happen in terms of for the coming season. Um, what I think it can do is give Liverpool a little bit of a market in terms of how they um, you know, get themselves into the mindset of playing against these big teams. Because I think last season it was probably the only... Big question mark against them, really. Um, looking at the results against the other top four, they didn't win any of them. They didn't lose, but you know they were all draws. Had had they come away with three points in, in one of those games, they'd have won the title. So it is very fine margins that you're judging City and Liverpool against nowadays. So it's difficult to make too many sweeping judgments. Uh, another thing I said on last week's pod, it's why um, I think they will be first and second again, either or. Um, and why I find it strange how so many pundits and people who've been around football for years seem to believe that other teams can just usurp them quite comfortably. You know, these are two teams who've got points tallies north of 90, you know, three, three or four times in the last few years. Liverpool have got 92, 96, was it? Um, and 99 when they won the league. City have obviously got that 100-point mark. I think they got 90 or 97 when Liverpool got 96 and of course last season got 93 so um, very difficult for anyone else in the Premier League to get near those two numbers you need a season of absolute excellence which is why sometimes I find it strange that people just believe that a couple of new players and, and you're going to be doing it so 
City and Liverpool are the two best teams in England for me, probably the two best teams in Europe. And while the Community Shield won't give um, a clear indication of who the title's heading to, it'll just give a little, you know, one or two pointers as to what might await us over the next nine months. Yeah, no, most definitely. Tom, what's your take on the Community Shield in, in terms of, I suppose, its its significance and the competitiveness of it? I have to say, I like it. It's a bit of English footballing tradition, isn't it? I think it is a competitive fixture. It is an honour, but I don't personally myself think it's one of those that you can parade at the end of the season, albeit City have become yeah. masters of, of honing such a craft. Yeah, I think it's one of those, I think um, someone's saying the other day, it's, it's that trophy where... If you win it, it's important or seen as a little bit important. If you lose it, everyone's like, ah, doesn't matter. It's only the community shield. Um, so yeah, obviously if Liverpool were to lose, I think uh, you know, the sort of general message would be, oh, it's only the community shield. Let's just get on with the league. But it would be nice to win it, as Paul said, uh, just to sort of add that to the collection of uh, trophies won by Klopp. Um just going back to when <clears throat> Liverpool and City played each other in the community shield in 2019. Um, I think that was all on the back of that you know, relentless season with Liverpool and City going for the title. And so it was kind of viewed as, you know, can Liverpool set an early marker down for the next season and, you know, sort of show City they're still, you know, we're still around, we're going to go for it. I know Liverpool did lose, you know, in the end on penalties. They did obviously go on to win the league. So, uh, but I think what the, the sort of the key point taking away from that game was, you know, Liverpool pushed them right to the end of that game. And it was, a, from what I can remember, a really close match. Um, and obviously, whenever you lose on penalties, it's you know it's a bit of a lottery. So, I think if Liverpool are able to sort of match City on the day, or even or beat them, it, you know, it's just a an early confidence boost. There's nothing that bad can that can come out of beating them. Um, you know, it, it can only be a good thing if they were to win. So, um, yeah, I think it would be just a positive if they do win it. And you know, we've seen with Guardiola a few times, he can get a bit rattled by Liverpool. So. If Liverpool were to put in a really good performance and sort of blow City off the park like they did um, in the FA Cup semi-final, you know, you just wonder what sort of psychological impact that could have on them, you know, in the early weeks of the season. Um, yeah, I don't know. You never know. It's City, you know, sort of seeing that don't let things, you know, get to them too much. But I would be interested to see, you know, what Guardiola's reaction would be if something like that were to happen. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, I suppose the manner of any potential win would, would definitely be something to uh, to look out for the reaction of Pep Guardiola for. But Gorsty, does it, I suppose, actually, where does it feed into with Liverpool this season in terms of Jurgen Klopp held his press conference yesterday and he spoke about in the, in the build-up to it, the fact that this season is so difficult for Liverpool to get to grips with from the off because they finished last season after everyone. They started mm-hmm. Bar City before everyone as well. And even after playing Fulham, they're expected to have a behind-closed-doors friendly with Aston Villa to keep fine-tuning and getting ready for the new season. I mean, it, it probably therefore does go down as a friendly this year for them. But equally, it's Man City they're playing. It's not kind of a typical pre-season opponent that, that Liverpool would face. Obviously, got Strasbourg on Sunday. It's certainly the most important game of the week. Um, obviously, with the, with the three games in, in five days, kind of, Reminiscence of last season, wasn't it, when Liverpool were playing pretty much every 12 hours, it felt like. Um, I think that the Strasbourg friendly is there as a kind of, I mean, they will obviously take meaningful things from it, but I think it's more a case of getting the fans in and getting a little bit of a family atmosphere going for that one because it seems to be, well, it's definitely 
Liverpool felt the benefit of it last season when they played the two games, didn't they, against Osasuna and um, Athletic. Um, great family atmosphere, subsidised ticket prices and, and just get a new generation of, of supporters through the gates who might not necessarily be able to get to games during the Premier League season. So um, I think that will be just a little bit of an occasion more than anything else. I think the Community Shield on Saturday will take precedence over the two games. And then, yeah, you mentioned them. Um, Mentioned that behind closed doors game with uh, Aston Villa on the seventh. Um, um, interesting one that I think, you know. Klopp was talking yesterday about the the they have to do it because of the early starts for the season. We've obviously got the World Cup across November and, and December, which is unprecedented, really, isn't it? You know, a major international tournament slap bang in the middle of a domestic season. Um, in terms of obviously we, we've had the Africa Cup of Nations take place you know, in, in the winter's months, but a World Cup at that time of year has, has never happened before, has it? So it's um it'll be an adjustment for for every team really, Liverpool no different. Um but I suspect that we might see um you know players who've had a full pre excuse me, full pre season schedule like a Mohamed Salah and a Trent Alexander Arnold and a Virgil van Dijk. I think up until that November time, I think we will see the absolute best of them, particularly with Salah. I've just got a feeling that with his future being resolved and all the, the, the noise around him has just been put to the side now and, and it's it's all gone quiet. I just think he's primed to hit the ground running and just fly out of the traps and really become that player that we, we've seen in the early parts of last season when everyone was saying every other week, you know, this is the best player in the world. So looking forward to seeing that. Um, I think that, could be a feature of the early few months of the season. Um, and then I suppose it'll just be potluck, really, in terms of going away with the, with the World Cup and seeing what happens later in the year. Um, fortunately, from the Bills' perspective, they haven't got too many involved in the World Cup, really, have they? Um, obviously, Henderson, not particularly a, a massive England regular, is he, Trent? Certainly not. Um, Giotto with, with with Portugal. Portugal are there, aren't they? Um, Van Dijk. Um, but generally, you know, across the across the squad, there's, you know, Fabinho doesn't play too too often for Brazil. Um, Allison kind of chops and changes with Edison. Roberto Firmino doesn't play too often. Um, I was going to say on, on. I mean, Luis Diaz isn't there, is he? Diaz isn't going either. No. No. So I mean, but in terms of even you mentioning there, some of the players who are going, Allison, Fabinho, maybe Firmino, we're yet to to kind of know for definite. I suppose on that one, Henderson. These are guys who make up the spine of the Liverpool side. Ibrahima Kanate, I don't think, is part of the, the France setup. I might be wrong there. But equally, some of them who might still be on the fringes of their national side may well go, but really more in a tourist capacity where they'll be keeping up their levels in training, but there yeah. won't really be that risk of injury for them. Albeit the ones who do stay behind, Klopp's already said, hasn't he? It'll be another pre-season. Yeah, and you know, Andy, Andy Robertson's not going to be there either, is he? John Matip doesn't play for, for his country. Joe Gomez, probably not at this point in the England squad, is he, given that he hasn't played much at all? So, Thiago you know, on the fringe of the Spain squad? Yeah, so all throughout the, the Liverpool squad, uh, weirdly, um, given that Liverpool squad is, is an incredible world-class assembly of footballers, none of them are outstanding figures for their countries at this, this summer's World Cup. So I think that ultimately will, will benefit Liverpool, for the, you know, certainly after Christmas. Um, so maybe that's a, an element just to kind of keep in mind when the World Cup does roll around. 
Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to another talking point then through us, Roberto Firmino. There's been murmurings, I suppose, from Italy that Juventus are, are interested in maybe looking to buy the Brazilian this summer, albeit into the final 12 months of his contract. Jurgen Klopp was asked about that in the press conference and was was pretty much straight flat out of saying just how important Roberto Firmino, Firmino is to Liverpool. I'd say he stopped short of committing to, to saying that he'll definitely be staying beyond this season, but doesn't look as though he's, he's willing to let him go under at any costs, really, for this campaign. No, um, obviously it, it really wasn't a surprise to hear Klopp saying something like that because we know, you know, how much he rates Firmino. He's he's been such a key part in Liverpool's side the last few years. Um, so it would have been a bit of a shock, you know, if, if Liverpool were you know, sort of looking to sell him this summer. Um, you know, if that interest does continue if, from Juventus, and you know, if it was to go any further, um, you know, from what Klopp said, you would imagine Liverpool would. You know, reject any offers that come in for Firmino. So it's a bit of a strange one because had Mane not gone, you, you wonder if the situation may have been a bit, a little bit different in terms of whether Liverpool would have been more open to allowing him to go. Um, because this season, it's going to be a case of, I guess, Firmino kind of waiting for opportunities and, and you know coming off the bench because he's not, you know, with all of Liverpool's attacking options, you wouldn't imagine he's going to be starting each week now. So. It, I guess it just comes down to him more than and Liverpool wanting to sell him. And, and, you know, with the World Cup coming up, maybe he wants to kind of push his way back into contention of a um, a place in their squad. So, no, I'd, I'd like to see him stay. I think he's still, you know, he's still got an important role to play in Liverpool's side. He, he's so unique as a player as well. So it can only be a good thing for Liverpool if he stays. And, um, no, it's not really a surprise that they want to keep him around. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Of course, you mentioned before kind of how big some of the players could be for, for Liverpool up until that World Cup break. Mm. Does Roberto Firmino fall into that in the sense of, yeah. is he playing for his Liverpool future? Or I suppose his back catalogue, Klopp knows all what he's about. But I suppose maybe outside of the corridors of, of power at Kirby, that a lot of people are thinking, well, Darwin Nunez is going to replace him. Diogo Jota already started doing that last season. Firmino's on the slide and naturally the end of the season will be a, a time where he does move on and drift off into the sunset and Liverpool bid him farewell after, what, eight years at Anfield, but the player he is and the tenacity he shows on the pitch, I'm sure he's probably got that fire burning inside to say, don't don't write the obituaries yet. I'm I'm still very much here and, and got a lot to lot to provide. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you never get the the impression of Firmino of being someone who's um, no, you, you can never see him kind of angrily deciding that he's going to respond to to people writing him off or anything like that. He just seems to to drift through life with that big smile on his face and take everything in stride, and that is very much the the charm of. Probably for me, now, isn't it? But um, yeah, I think he's, I think this is probably his his most important season for a while. Actually, I think given everything that's going on around him, Luis Diaz is looking to settle in his first full season in England. Darwin Nunes is coming in for a massive price tag, and you now Liverpool will have long term hopes for him. But he's got to settle at Liverpool. Diogo Jota's pre season's been completely disrupted by this hamstring reoccurrence. Um. Mohamed Salah's contract situation was up in the air, wasn't it, until it got signed. Sadio Mane's obviously left. He's been, Firmino's been the one constant, really, across pre-season in terms of the Bills' forward options. Obviously, Regan and Minamino have left as well. So, 
he's just there. Klopp knows what he's going to get when he picks him. And um, yeah, I think this could be a big opportunity for him, certainly in the in the early months of the season, where Nunes is still getting used to how Liverpool play and Liverpool are getting used to him because it's a completely different type of number nine leading the line, isn't it? I think Jota, um, sadly with that <clears throat> hamstring issue, means that he'll be playing catch-up for, for a while. Um, don't think we'll see him kind of burst into life straight away as soon as he's back. So Firmino's got an important role to play. Um, I think he'll be starting against Fulham. I think he'll be leading that line with probably Diaz and, and Salah either side of him. So yeah, it's a big um, big year for him. Um, obviously with the contract situation as well, does he want to stay? Is he ready to put in the kind of performances that are going to convince the club to... to extend the stay or, or however it's going to work but uh, Klopp called him the heart and soul of the team didn't he yesterday and, and um, did stop short of saying that he's definitely going to leave but uh, he did say he's essential and he's crucial so um, judging by those comments that to me means that uh, Liverpool's certainly planning for life with Firmino in the camp Yeah the traditional hands-off warning maybe mm-hmm. for Juventus delivered from from Jurgen Klopp. Gorsi, I'll come back to you just on Thiago Jota quickly because he and Alisson were another key theme from the press conference. Jurgen Klopp with crucial team news ahead of the Community Shield game with Man City. But whilst he said Alisson's back in light training and will definitely be ready for Fulham, Thiago Jota, I know Liverpool often sort of reluctant to put timescales on injured players. But what are we expecting with Thiago Jota? Because obviously he wasn't out in Austria and Klopp said, well, it's impossible. He's not even with us. Hmm. He won't be part of this game. But do we do we think this is going to be weeks into months or or not too far off the, the horizon of even returning? Yeah, it depends how, how bad the the recurrence of the hamstring issue was, really. Um, I mean, they're not great at the best times, are they, hamstring injuries? They're not, they're not something that's going to keep you out for two or three months, but certainly, you know, a few weeks. Um, and he hasn't played now since the Champions League final, which was the end of May. So by the time he, he does play, you might be looking at, what, the middle of August? maybe towards the end of August. Um, so it's got a few months, really, without a full pre-season schedule as well. So, uh, unfortunately, I do really think that that's going to disrupt him for the for the first few months of the season. Um, just coming at a bad time for him, really, when you want your players in the uh, in the camp getting the, the full benefits of the, of the full pre-season. So, um, yeah, disappointing for him, but gives Nunes an opportunity, really, to, um, to show what he can do perhaps earlier than he might have been able to but I still think Firmino has a vital role to play certainly in the in the first couple of months of the season and, until maybe you know um, what, maybe beginning of October time maybe Yeah no definitely right that's uh, Jota and Firmino discussed we'll get on to Nunez shortly but Tom in terms of that other team news Alison Becker definitely out of the community shield Adrian going to be the man deputising because there's no Cueven Kelleher either thoughts on that? Um, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one. Alisson seems to have not had much luck uh, <laughs> on the injury front in recent years. Um, it's actually quite a lot now when you think of it, just how many times he's had some sort of you know, niggling injury setbacks. Um, I think he had that one a couple of years ago when Liverpool won the league. That was right at the start of the season as well. Um, he got injured in that game. Was it Norwich on the opening day? I think it was. Um, yeah, I mean, Adrian... He's done it before in a final for Liverpool. I know it's not really a final now, but, you know, a competition like this. So, you know, I think there's not really much Liverpool can do in this situation. they just got to go on with it. Um, Adrian has shown before he can, you know, 
there are times when he has been uh, effective when called upon. So just be a case of trying to get that confidence back from other times when he has played for the club and, you know, just do his best on the day, really. Um, you know, City obviously suffered against Liverpool when they put Zach Stefan in goal, you know, one of their backup keeper last season. Um, you know, we would be hoping not for a performance like that. But um, yeah, there's not really much else you can do in that scenario. So just have to hope he's uh, on his A game. Yeah, no, most definitely. And Tom, coming back then on the strikers, let's get into Darwin Nunez. I think a lot of people from the outside uh, are, are tipping this one, dubbing it kind of Erling Haaland v Darwin Nunez part one, the, the first of the rebrand for both sides' strike forces. Do you think it's just cut and dry that Nunez is, is going to go from the off on Saturday? Um, I'd like to see him start because I just think it would be you know a good opportunity for him to you know, like Liverpool sort of lay down a marker. You know, he's obviously got those four goals already in pre-season in that uh, game against Leipzig. But if he was to, you know, put in a good performance against Man City and even score, you imagine that, you know, that would do massive things for his confidence going forward. And I think it would just, you know, again, send out another message about Nunes and his quality. So, yeah, I'd like to see him start just to see, you know, how he gets on in a game against a, you know, a quality opponent like Man City. Um, because we've only seen him in pre-season where, you know, it's not quite the same in terms of the matches aren't, you know, played at the same intensity and uh, as they would be in a normal season. So, no, I, I think it would be a good chance for him. And, uh, yeah, I would like to see him start, but obviously Klopp may have other plans in that sense. How important, Gorst, do you think it is if, if he's to start this or, or, or at Fulham or even further down the line, the Palace game may be the first game at Anfield of the new season, that, that Darwin Nunez does get off the mark in competitive football as quickly as possible. Because we saw, didn't we, that the Manchester United and Crystal Palace games, how quickly with a club the size of Liverpool and the size his transfer fee could potentially get to, that opposition fans and, and just wider kind of media at large as well can, can very quickly jump on a player and begin to affect their confidence. I don't think anyone at Liverpool is going to be bothered about some idiots in his room making fail compilations, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you'd rather he got off the mark sooner rather than later, of course. Um, I was a bit disappointed that he wasn't he, he wasn't part of the, you know, the cavalry on, on um, Wednesday night when Klopp brought on the likes of Salah and Fabinho, Van Dijk, Thiago, Diaz. Because I think if he'd have been... If he'd have been up front in the final 20 minutes of that game, I don't think Liverpool would have lost it because they created all kinds of chances, just couldn't quite get the, the goal. You know, Diaz scored just offside. Um, the keeper made a couple of good saves, loads of blocks, tackles, you know, last-ditch defending. And I think um, if Liverpool are up against that style of defending at certain points this coming season, I think he's tailor-made for that because um, he's just an archetypal traditional number nine, he'll just attack every ball, won't he? And, and he certainly knows how to finish, even if it's kind of a half chance. He was so unlucky in the first half when he hit the bar with that that shot. I don't think many people expected it. He kind of let it roll across his body and, and just pinged it with minimal backlift with his back to goal almost and crashed off the, the bar. Um, but I, I, I agree with Tom to an extent. I'd like to see him play tomorrow. I'd like to see him lean the line and be the man who's going to be Know, pinning those City defenders back and really give Salah a bit of room to work with. But I just think Klopp, as a, you know, everything that points towards a reversal for me, you know, starting while the Nunes continues to to get to, you know, to grips with it. Um, 
But um, so far, so good. I like what I've seen. I think he's um, he's going to be a handful. Um, and I think there will be times when Liverpool will be facing the traditional low block and, and he might be struggling to, to break them down as we've seen at times last season. And, and I think he is tailor-made for, for, um, for that, really. Yeah, no, definitely. Josh Williams was speaking about it on this week's Analyzing Anfield podcast as well about kind of how his game is very much set up to to being the man to finish off attacks. He just needs those chances created for him. Tom, in in terms of Man City, in a perverse way, are you are you looking forward to seeing how they line up with Erling Haaland in the team and maybe a change of dynamic for them? I mean. As I say, we obviously very much focus in on, on Liverpool, but very mm-hmm. much he's, he's front of the attention is how City are getting on, given they are the rivals alongside Liverpool. And it does seem quite a change in, in style of play that they're going to adopt this season. Yeah, I'm actually interested to see how Man City do this season. I know, obviously, that it's highly likely they're going to be right at the top of the table again with Liverpool and you know getting close to the 90-point mark or even beyond that. But... I do think it's interesting, sort of the turnover of players they've had this summer, and you know how just how much that will affect them, um, because we haven't really seen that since Guardiola's been there. That sort of turnover of key players that have left this summer, and they, although they've sold players in, in you know in recent years, there hasn't been quite as high profile as this summer. And you know, if you take people like I know Jesus, for example, wasn't whenever he played for City he was never really amazing or you know world class, but. He always seemed to do something off the bench for them, um, especially against Liverpool as well. <laughs> um, so no, I'm, I'm interested to see you know how that affects them going forward. And, and you know, although they have made two good signings with Harlan and Phillips, just wonder how much that will have a say sort of later in the season, especially players coming back from the World Cup going to be tired. I think City have got a lot more players involved in the World Cup than Liverpool as well. Sort of what we were talking about earlier. So obviously they're going to be coming back probably a lot more fatigued than Liverpool. And if City don't have those options like Sterling, Jesus from the bench, um, I, I do actually think that's... I think Liverpool may win the league this season only because something like that could have an impact um, the World Cup side of things. So, no, I think Haaland, again, there's no guarantee he's going to be a success either. Like Nunes, um, obviously everyone seems to think Haaland... Is just going to score 40 goals a season, but I think Carrick, Jamie Carrick has done a column today, sort of touching on that why you know it's not guaranteed, and, and that's true as well. So, yeah, interesting times ahead this season to see how the two teams uh, you know, adapt with the new signings. Yeah, Gorsty, what's your take on City? Intrigued to see how they'll go because. As we say, it, it could be quite a big shake-up for them. I mean, they're losing a few forward options in, in Jesus and Sterling in particular. Yes, they've got yeah. Alvarez who's come in as well, but different kinds of forwards. Yeah, I mean, um, from a from numbers-wise, they haven't really lost anyone. In terms of Alvarez and Haaland have come in for Jesus and Sterling and Phillips has come in for Fernandinho. Zinchenko's obviously gone to Arsenal, but they're still trying to get Kukurea and Arty from Brighton. So, numbers-wise, I think they'll be okay, but the um, the issue for me is when the margins are that small between Liverpool and City, uh, I think Haaland is as pretty much as, as close as you're going to get to a, to an um, immediate hit in the Premier League. But Alvarez is a little bit more of an unknown quantity. Can those two kind of replicate what Sterling and Jesus were able to provide for City last season? Fernandinho is a very experienced player who's, who's one of the leaders of that dressing room and, and OK, he didn't really play too much, but 
certainly one of the one of the strong characters in that dressing room. They've lost his experience and his quality. Um, and Zinchenko was was their their best. Well, I know João Cancelo played left back at times. Did anybody you know, play him anywhere? Really, Zinchenko was was quite an important player for them at times as well. So, yeah, I just think when when the, the margins are that small, that's a lot of um, uncertainty that you need to kind of cover for and, and address and um, make sure that it's not going to hold you back. Whereas Liverpool, the only kind of great question mark is whether or not Nunes can can um, fill in for Mane, which is obviously a big question mark, but um, it's less than what City have got to take on, really. And, and I just think when when there's nothing between the two sides, it could make a big difference, really. Particularly as well if they lose Bernardo Silva, which for me I still find strange that the talk of him leaving, to me, he's one of City's absolute best players, along with Kevin De Bruyne. Um, wouldn't be letting him go anywhere, but still talk of him potentially moving on. So, uh, So we'll see. Yeah, before we get into our team selection, just a, a quick shout for our pre-season uh, printout that you can get hold of if you, you enjoy a bit of print and, and like to flick through the pages. We have got a 40-page pre-season guide available to pre-order. Now available from Saturday, the 30th of January. There's a link in the description, as well as being available through local participating retailers. Gorsty, your thoughts are in there. 40 pages of all things on the Reds ahead of the new season. So as I say, link in the description. Do check it out and head to any local participating retailers should you choose to uh, do so. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's get on to our team selector then and pick our team for the first meaningful fixture for Liverpool for the new season, the Community Shield against Leicester, uh, against Man City at Leicester City's King Power Stadium. I'll uh, name the goalie. and Normally I say Alison Becker here, but it's going to be Adrian because both Cleveland Kelleher and Alison are unavailable. But Gorsty, what about the back four? What are you thinking? I think it'll probably be as close to the, the team that finished the last hour in um, in Salzburg on Wednesday, so expecting Trent to start at right back. Robertson came on at half time, didn't he? I think he'll start. And then uh, a back uh, centre back pairing of um I think it'll go Matip and Van Dijk. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the toss up, isn't it, Tom? Is is whether it's Matip mm-hmm. or, or whether it's Canate. Personally, I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate, disagree with the main man, and and say maybe Canate, given kind of that physicality, he could offer up against Erling Haaland. Yeah, I was going to go with Canate as well. Um, you know, he, he sort of seemed to get the nod a bit more at the back end of last season, um, Champions League as well, Champions League final. So, um, yeah, I think he may go Van Dijk and Canate, but Matip obviously would still be a you know very good option as well. Yeah, we can be fairly routine as well with yeah. the the eleven as well at times, especially when Liverpool come back to preseason with so many players fit as well. That midfield engine room, pretty much everybody. In fact, I think everybody is available to choose from, other than Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. So, so what would your three in there be, Tom? Um, I'd probably go Thiago and Fabinho and Henderson as the third player. Um, obviously, you could make a case for a few other players, but I think. That's the three I'd go for against City. Yeah, Na- Naby Keita, Gorsley, by the end of last season, it seemed to really move up the pecking order there. Mm-hmm. But are you with Tom or, or do you reckon Keita could start? Uh, just just to play devil's advocate, then I'll, I'll go with Keita. <clears throat> I thought he was excellent in the cup semi-final against City with that midfield of Thiago, 
Fabinho and, and Keita maybe lacks a little bit of the solidity that you get from Henderson, particularly as well when, when he motors down that right and Liverpool are able to kind of bring Alexander-Arnold in, in field a little bit. That's, that worked well last season. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with Keita for this one at the head of Henderson. I'm just going to try and find out, do we know how many substitutions are allowed to be made in the the community shield is it three like a competitive fixture or is it where they can, they can make more well five sorry it would be five, five now, isn't it? It? yeah i think yeah. i think it's five yeah um yeah. should we should we consult the uh the fa website yeah it might be it might be best if, if you do that gorsley whilst we, we we come to the rest of the team because i'm just thinking in terms of especially that midfield in particular and jürgen klopp spoken about pre-season and wanting to get minutes into to players legs and get them prepared for the full season Otherwise, it's going to have to be five players who go through ninety minutes, and you'd imagine if it is five substitutes, Tom, that that midfield could be the one that's freshened up the most through the course of the game. Yeah, obviously, it's coming into effect this season. Obviously, the five subs, and uh, you know, like you said, in, in games like this, which you expect it might be a tight game as well, it's going to be quite useful. But against City, that's the only problem. They obviously <laughs> have that benefit too because of their squad. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be something they look at doing, you know, later on in the game, maybe going into if it goes to extra time, which is, you know, a possibility. It could happen again, happened last time, and they played them in this uh, community shield. So, yeah, it would be a good option if they uh, if they needed to do that. Yeah, Gorsley, did you get any luck? Oh, I'm, I'm just, just browsing the community shield part of the FA website now. It doesn't say anything about substitutes, but I think, I think it will be five on it. I don't think it's one of those games where you can make 11. Um, right, Tom, our producer's dug out something that says the FA only permit nine players to be named on the substitutes bench for the Community Shield, a maximum of six in-game changes to be made. So maybe, yeah, and, and, and if extra time comes around, maybe that's an, an extra one on there. But yeah. we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly uh, get to the bottom of that before uh, Saturday's game kicks off. In terms of the 11, then, Gorsley, what would your front three be? Well, as, as I say before, I agree with Tom's point. I'd like to see Nunes get the nod. Um, is this is this what, what I think? The your team. team. My no, team. your yeah, team. You're yeah, the we'll, man in the hot seat. Yeah, we'll go with, we'll go with Big Darwin down the middle end with uh, <laughs> Mo on the right and um, Luis Diaz on the on the left. Is that what you want to see, Tom? Yeah, I was going to say the same three, yeah. <laughs> no, so hopefully that will be the uh, 11 then and, and Darwin Nunez will get his start. Erling Haaland maybe can be the one who's left to warm the bench for Manchester City. I'm sure Liverpool fans would enjoy seeing that. Before we go then, predictions. Gorsty, what's the score going to be? Another 2-2 draw. And then I think Liverpool win, win it on pens. I mean, it can go either way, can't it? But um, Liverpool have had a good record of penalties um, of late. So uh, I'll, I'll go for that one. Yeah, it was a time the uh, the charity shield, as it once was called, mm. used to be shared, but not these days. It has to be settled by penalty shootout. Tom, are you seeing a, a result in 90 or are you also predicting penalties? No, yeah, I think as well, I was going to say, actually, what Paul Paul's prediction, I can see it going all the way again. Um, Liverpool seem to, whenever they're playing... Uh, these sort of games, I was going to say at Wembley, obviously not this year, but um, going the distance in those sort of fixtures and I can see it happening again. So pen I think penalties as well. I think it might be one all in uh, normal time and then penalties. 
I think Liverpool are going to be too hot for City to handle myself. They've, I think they've only had two pre-season run-outs, haven't they, Man City? They do start the season maybe a bit slower than they do tend to finish them. And, and hopefully that'll be enough for Liverpool. But the two guys have predicted that it will go all the way. We'll have to wait and see how it does play out. But that's it from us for this edition of the Blood Red podcast. Do remember to check out that 40-page season preview available online as well as with local retailers. But from myself, Guy Clark, Tom Cavilla and Paul Gorst. Thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.